Hi there, I'm Dan, and welcome, or welcome back, maybe, to the Shaw Vineyard Church Podcast. Hey, at the end of this episode, please take just a moment to subscribe in iTunes or in your podcast app of choice. That way, you can get every message from our church straight away on whatever device best suits you. You know, it's our hope that the message that you're about to hear in this episode would encourage you to take your best next step in your faith journey. So let's get straight into it. in a series called Becoming One. This is what we've been doing for February, and we are exploring this whole idea uh, of being uh, intricately connected uh, in each other's lives. Um, so if it's your first time coming along, don't worry, it's going to be sort of an, a message on its own, but it's also connected as part of a, a bunch of bigger messages as well. So you can check out the last two weeks' messages uh, on svc.org.nz slash sermons. Uh, give those a listen or wherever else you get podcasts from, uh, and you'll be able to listen to, to where we've kind of been going over the last few weeks. As Vic mentioned earlier, uh, we've been focusing on kind of connecting after the service as well. Um, so today, like Vic said, five after the 5 p.m. service, we're gathering at the McLaughlin's house. Um, that doesn't mean that you guys can't connect afterwards, okay? You know, why not grab lunch with some people or go grab a coffee down the road? Uh, that would be a good and beautiful and connected and being one kind of thing to do as well. All right, let's crack into it. John 17, 20 to 23 says this, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one even as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. Let's just spend a moment with that scripture just a little bit. Holy Spirit. I want to thank you that you are here, that you are with us, that you are one with us, that you desire to be one with us. Just as it is with Jesus, it is with us. So draw us close. Lord, help us to become aware of your nearness and of your closeness. Help us to become more aware of you and your story. Help us to fall more in love with the story. Help us to see more of ourselves in your story. And Lord, draw us closer to becoming one. Amen. So this is what we've been working with. This little uh, sort of extract from John 17, the high priestly prayer, has really formed the basis of what this whole series is about. Um, we see in this prayer Jesus' heart for his followers, not just for the 12 that were with him at the time, or the 72, or the thousands who were following him at the time, but we see a longing and a desire uh, that Jesus has to carry through generations, that everyone who would come to know of this story would fall into the this relationship, that would discover this oneness, this closeness, this intimacy. This is what we have been exploring as a church community these last few weeks. And particularly, we've been trying to uh, understand it a little bit more within our own context. What does it look like to become one together? So yes, of course, uh, in regards to God's story for the world. Yes, of course, in regards to God's story for the global church, but also in regards to God's story for us 
us and what he is up to with us here at Shaw Vineyard Church. This is a good and beautiful thing to be exploring together. Um, we've kind of tagged it along with this, uh, this concept, uh, Ubuntu. If you've been around the last few weeks, you know this word, you've heard this word. Um, but Ubuntu is this African uh, sort of uh, African idea that comes out. Uh, we, we see it in Desmond Tutu's book, No Future Without Forgiveness. Um, but this idea of Ubuntu is really this. We are who we are only through other people. So we miss out on something of our humanity when we are disconnected. It is in, to, in relationship, in togetherness, in connection that we discover and unlock the fullness of the human experience. We are who we are only through other people. Um, this uh, this concept of Ubuntu and this uh, little, uh, this John 17 high priestly prayer of Jesus, these form the lens for our series, Becoming One. Anyone a National Treasure fan? Oh yeah, Nicolas Cage. Good news, guys. Number three's in the works. Yeah. Oh yeah, we got a, we got a chair in the corner. Amazing. Can we just pause for a moment? Nicolas Cage, most uh, underrated actor ever. He's amazing, right? Does any dude commit as much to any line? Oh my goodness. Oh, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, well, in the, uh, in the National Treasure movies, he's got these little glasses that he wears, and they change the way that he sees the map on the back of the Constitution. There's a whole thing. He steals, you know, got to check it out if you haven't seen it. It's high quality. On the Disney Channel, Disney Plus, if you've got that, $9.99 a month, well worth it. Mandalorian alone. <laughs> the check's in the mail. Thanks, Disney. Um, <clears throat> But yes, he wears these glasses, he puts them on, and it is only when he, when he uses them in a particular way that he's able to identify where it is that they need to go. It is important to have a lens when we come to the scriptures. There is so much terrain that we have to navigate. We're navigating history, we're never navigating culture, we're navigating context, we're navigating personal relationships. And so we need to find things that serve as a lens. And so for us in the series, and us as we come to the text today, this, this John 17 high priestly prayer of Jesus and this concept of Ubuntu serve as our lens. They are our national treasure glasses. Um, so let's put them on, right? Uh, <clears throat> Matthew 28, 16 to 20. This is the verse, uh, piece of scripture that we're working with today. And it goes like this. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Here we see in Jesus the vision. Go. This is what I'm commanding you to do. This is what I'm inviting you to do. Go and make disciples. Go and invite people into the same process that you have been a part of. Invite them into the journey. Invite them to discover the fullness of life, the beauty of life, um, the intimacy of walking with the Father. Go. It's not just for you here now. Go. Take it with you. Carry it. Be, be embodied with it. Go. This is the vision. 
Now, this event that we see in the scriptures, it's not relevant to just the remaining disciples. Through this lens, through these national treasure glasses, we can, we can assume that this invitation, this commissioning, it is of immense relevance to us as well. And so when Jesus says that we are to go and make disciples, we, here in our current context today, we are charged with the task of keeping the story of Jesus alive and sharing it. We are tasked with keeping the story of Jesus alive and sharing it. Now, here's the thing, okay? To become a disciple in the ancient world, that wasn't like, that wasn't a particularly um, special thing just to Jesus. There were lots of different contexts in which disciples happened, particularly uh, in the ancient Hebrew context. It was very common for people to become a disciple of a rabbi, um, particularly in the context of following maybe a, maybe a Pharisee or something. That was a very like academic pursuit. Um, <clears throat> or maybe it was to follow someone like John the Baptist. Uh, there was very common for people to find leaders or prophets to gravitate towards and learn from. This was a common experience. But Jesus develops this very unique form of discipleship for those who followed him. And in doing so, Jesus breaks through a variety of barriers, gender, uh, uh, ethnicity, religion, social, um, economic, and so on. And he calls all people all people into this relationship, into this process of following um, and of being in connection with him. Dallas Willard says this, um, being a disciple of Jesus was primarily not an academic endeavor um, or a commitment to a prophet like John the Baptist. A disciple of Jesus comes to him and him alone for eternal life and will always and only be a disciple of Jesus. The expression is virtually synonymous with the title Christian. You can't have the word Christian without having the word disciple. These things are interconnected. This is what it means to fall in step with Jesus. And so we come to this thing. What is the one vision? Well, I want to suggest this morning that it is a culture of apprenticeship. <clears throat> Jesus had... Apprentices. Jesus had disciples. Um, the word in the scriptures, and I've spoken about this actually just at the end of last year, but, but I feel like it's important for us to reflect on again. The word uh, in Greek is talmidim, which means disciple. And the word talmidim also means apprentice. Same thing. So I'm not doing anything crazy. I'm not doing any kind of crazy gymnastics here. They're just, they mean the same word. Disciple, we often tend to like really associate from a Christian context. But the word apprentice is just the same. And we kind of understand what apprentice means a little bit, right? We know what it's like to be the apprentice of a builder uh, or of a seamstress um, or to go into a new workplace and just apprentice under someone. It is, it is to fall under the leadership and authority of someone and say, I want to learn from you because I want to be like you. I want to know the things you know and to do the things that you do. This is what it means to fall into apprenticeship, to, to submit to apprenticeship. And this is what Jesus is calling for in this great commission. Go and make disciples. Go and make apprenticeships, uh, apprentices. Go and create a culture of learning and following um, and growing. Um, when someone became a disciple uh, under Jesus, it was basically to do these three things. Go and be with Jesus. Um, go and become like Jesus. So there's almost this osmosis effect of spending time with them. I want to do these things with you and 
and, and learn from you and ask you questions and sort of engage with you. And in that process, I might become more like you. And then I want to go and do what you did. This is the invitation to each and every one of us through all of history, through every generation, to come and be a disciple, to come and be an apprentice of Christ. This is what it looks like. John Mark Comer says this, if you want to experience the life of Jesus, you have to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. This is what we are all invited to. But through this lens, coming back to this whole lens thing, through the context of this idea of Ubuntu, if I know the story, but I haven't shared it with you and walked with you, with you as you grew, I am less than I could have been. So this apprenticeship thing, it can't just be for us. It's not meant to just be for us. And this is, this is what Jesus invites us to. Don't just come and be an apprentice. Go and make apprentices. Go and invite people into this process. Go and draw them into this thing. This is what Jesus invites us towards. We are to create a culture of apprenticeship. Um, a big part of my work that I do with Parachute Music is we've got this um, big uh, studio hub in Kingsland. We've got about 12 music studios that happen there. Um, and, and over the last few years, we've had this vision of trying to create a community at the heart of a music industry. And so if you want to have community, you've got to have some big conversations about culture. Now, there's a way you develop culture. First of all, you need to be able to identify what it is. What is the thing we want? We want, uh, we want this culture to look a certain way. So you've got to know what the culture is. You then, as the leaders, uh, you need to be able to model the culture and communicate the culture, so to tell people what it is you're trying to do. But you can't just tell people you've got to model it. You have to embody it. It has to be how you live and sort of participate in that space. You have to be able to critique the culture, so you have to be able to look at it and go, man, are we actually moving towards this meaningfully? Does this, is this thing that we're about to do, this activity, this initiative, does it line up with where we're going? Um, so you have to be able to engage with it and look kind of critically at it. Um, and then you have to celebrate it. So those are the five things. No model, um, communicate, critique, and celebrate. This is how you begin to develop and shape culture. And so when we look at this invitation of Jesus, and he's saying, go and, make like, go and make apprentices, go and make disciples, we're talking about creating a culture of apprenticeship. So we know that that's the thing we've got to do, so then we've got to start having some conversations around, well, what does it mean to like, model that, um, and to, to critique it, and to celebrate it? Like we, we want to begin to think about some of those things, because Jesus invites us to have a culture of apprenticeship. If we invest in that, if we are inviting people into it, if we are telling the story and celebrating it, then what happens is that our apprenticeship, my apprenticeship, is enhanced by being an apprentice alongside you. Just like the scriptures say, iron sharpens iron. We do this thing together. We grow together. We live and learn together. And the more connected we are in each other's lives, the richer the experience of apprenticeship becomes. Um, as we come back to this, this scripture and this invitation of Jesus, um, there's a couple of other theological things that are really important to be aware of. Um, there is a real broadening of the story that takes place in this moment. Jesus' uh, move here is actually to try and shift the perspective away from just the story of Israel to, to open up the story to the entire world. So there's this move away from the sort of particularism of, of Israel identity and towards a more like universal approach. This is a story that is for the whole world. 
And so up to this point, for anyone who was a follower in that first century uh, Israel context, uh, Jesus was kind of viewed as, a, as an embodied, uh, symbolic, prophetic fulfillment of the nation of Israel. Jesus as a person was everything that Israel was meant to kind of do, but kind of stumbled along the way because they just they weren't quite able to like, get with the program. And so Jesus was this way of fulfilling and being all that Israel was supposed to be. He was, he was uh, humanity 2.0 almost. He, he, he embodied this story and he, he redeems Israel in the process. But this moment, this invitation, um, really for, for his followers at the time, blows the story wide open. This is a story for the whole world. And this is really important. Right? Who is Matthew, the gospel writer, writing to? Who is his audience? Jews. Everyone says that real quietly. You know? It's the Jewish people. He's writing, to a, he's writing to a Jewish context. These are his listeners. And so this is an important point for Matthew, the gospel writer, to make. Understand this. The Jesus story is not just a Jewish story. It's not just a Hebrew story. The Jesus story is a world story. It is a story for everyone. Everyone is invited into this story. This is what Jesus does. And so this salvation, this reconciliation, this relationship, it's not just for you. It's not just for, um, <clears throat> it's not just for the zealot disciple or for the tax collector disciple or for the fisherman disciple. It is a story for everyone. Everyone gets to be a disciple. Everyone gets to be an apprentice. So as a result of this, Jesus' form of discipleship ends up transcending, like I said before, ethnicity, gender, religion, all these sorts of things to form a new community of faith called the church. The church is not supposed to be an institution, but a culture of apprenticeship, a culture of relationship, of journeying together. This is the new community. And Jesus kind of wraps it all up with this sort of inherent connectedness by saying, I am going to be with you. There is something that is sort of intrinsically tied to this process, that as people step into apprenticeship together, as they learn and grow, and they invite more people into the mix, Jesus kind of draws it all together and he says, I am with you always. It's like there's something of the kingdom, the fullness of the kingdom, the fullness of life is experienced in this space. I am always with you. When there is this culture of growing together, learning together, submitting together, encouraging one another, there is something that takes place. Jesus is in the midst of it all. And so... As we consider this story, as we consider this culture of apprenticeship, um, it's probably worth asking ourselves a few questions and beginning to think just a little bit practically about it. Because I feel like this is something that we can very easily sort of nod our heads to. It's like, yeah, this is awesome. I love this story. I love what Jesus is up to. But what is it? What does it kind of look like? Well, there's a few things that, a few questions that come to my mind that become really important as we look at the story. The first thing is this. Are we starting from a place of worship? What still stands out to me uh, in the scripture in Matthew 28 is that 
is that the response to Jesus, first and foremost, before the invitation even begins, before the sort of establishment of this culture is, is, is laid out, is that there is this response of worship. And it kind of says people are in these different places, but we, you know, sort of emotionally, spiritually, but there is this response of worship to Jesus. N.T. Wright um, has this, this sort of great little quote where he says, you know, uh, uh, worship is love on its knees and mission is love on its feet. So there is this real connectedness to, to starting from a place of worship. I mean, just this morning, being able to be together in church, worshiping together, sort of inclining our hearts towards God, it sort of does something, you know, it, it sets the tone. Like, why do we start with worship every, every week? Well, I think it, it's, a, it's a real tone setter. And so worship, it's, it's not necessarily just music. It's not just the thing we do between, you know, sort of 10.01 and 10.28 on a Sunday morning. Worship is this thing that we're invited to uh, participate in and unlock and discover and cultivate in the whole of our lives. Sometimes it's listening to music uh, on the way to work in your car. Sometimes it is, it is painting. Sometimes it's sitting with the scriptures. Sometimes, um, <clears throat> sometimes it's a coffee with someone you dearly love and learning to just recognize that Jesus is in the mix. But it starts from this place of submission, this posture of openness and inclination towards God. There is this, this willingness, and that sort of begins to open the pathway because we see this real connection that takes place. We can't just do apprenticeship without God in the mix. We can't do apprenticeship without Jesus in the mix. Why? Because the, at the, the very core of our apprenticeship is this wanting to, first and foremost, be with Jesus can't become like Jesus without the being first. And so worship takes us to that place. We want to be like Jesus. And so it springs from this place of worship first. Then we move towards the next thing. So that's, that's the first question um, for me, for you, for us this morning is, are we starting from a place of worship? I would say yes, but I think that the invitation there is to, to explore that idea, to wrestle with that, that idea um, in our sort of wider life context. The second question I have this morning for me and for you and for us is, is what story am I carrying? And even as sort of like a second question to that, like how am I carrying it? Um, <clears throat> it's amazing to me that, that when I get the opportunity to share um, my story or to talk about my journey with God, I have these, these few moments that, you know, were probably 12 years ago, um, but for me, they are, they are moments of, of deep, intimate, powerful connection with God. And to this day, they form the basis of like my story and what it is that God is doing. And so for me, I can't tell my story without telling of these experiences. And for me, it's like, man, I could, I, could have the, I could have the week of like the biggest doubt. Everything could go wrong in my life. And I could have the question go, you know, well, is God even real? I can, you know, we've all had those moments. And yet we have these moments within our story that anchor us in a deeply profound way. Anyone have stories like that? Yeah? It's like, oh, man, well, if I just give up on this thing, then it's like, then I've got no way of reconciling that part of my narrative. We have to know what our story is, and we have to celebrate it and communicate it and share it with people. We have to know what the story is. We have to know that we are inviting people into something. What is it we're inviting people towards? Are we inviting people to step into a perfect life? 
Are we inviting them into a story that says, hey, when you come up the front and you give your heart to Jesus and you do this thing, your life's sweet from that point onwards. All your problems will be solved. Man, some preachers, they'll tell you your bank accounts will get flush. My bank account's not flush. I've been doing this thing, I've been doing this thing 15 years. Man, not flush yet. Hmm. Still believing. <laughs> I jest. Um, <clears throat> no, like there's like life is still raw. It's still like riddled with like moments of sort of up and down and hills and valleys. We know this. We know this to be the experience. Read the Psalms. Read the stories of the apostles in, in, in the Acts and the New Testament. We know that life is full of ups and downs, things that surprise us, things that hurt us. And yet we know that if we are invited to a culture of apprenticeship, we are not alone in those things. We are in relationship with God and relationship with others that love us. We know that we know that with God, we can, we can somehow find a strength to conquer some of those things that come along. But in a culture of apprenticeship, we afford each other the space and the grace to move forward and to navigate these things. And we do this together because iron sharpens iron. We get to do this thing together. And so that, for me, is the story that I'm carrying. I can't make promises that I can't keep. I can't write checks that I can't cash, but what I can promise when I carry the story of Jesus is that I can invite you into a space of learning and growing, and I can promise you that I will do my best to be with you in that. And so for me, in a space where I have uh, recently left my job as a, the, the church, at the church where I was the associate pastor for 10 years, it's like, man, my commitment to the church is still the same. It's like, to the best of my ability, I still want to be about creating a culture of apprenticeship. That's what I've tried to do. That's what I've spoken about as community for the last 10 years. And so even though I don't have a title anymore, it's like, no, this is still the story I'm carrying. I still think this is what we're about and it's what I want us to be about. And so it's the same thing. It's like, well, my commitment to you is the same as a fellow lowly layperson. <laughs> you know? My promise is to the best of my ability, I want to do things. I want to serve you well. When I have the microphone in my hand, I want to, want to do right by you because we are trying to establish a culture of apprenticeship. So it's the second thing. So what story am I carrying? How am I carrying it? Um, I just want to say as well, a little side note, how we, how we enter the stories of other people really matters. So in my job now, in the sort of way I'm doing ministry these days, I am encountering people from all different walks of life and people who, a lot of people who have had very negative and very damaging and very painful experiences of church. And I have to be very careful about what, what sharing the story and the culture of apprenticeship looks like. I have, to be, I have to be really aware of that. And you know, all through the scriptures, we see people really considering how they enter the stories of other people. I think about when Jesus invites fishermen, he talks their language, right? I know, you know, I know you know how to catch fish, but let's talk about catching men, you know? It's like, I'm going to talk your language a little bit. What about Paul um, encountering this culture where they're worshiping the unknown God? And he's like, look, I've just come to give a name to your unknown God. I haven't come to impose an idea on you or my own culture or my own expectation on you, but, but I'm coming in. Let me, tell, let me know some of your story. And I think I, can give, I think I can give a name, and I think I can give some kind of meaning to what it is you're doing and experiencing. <clears throat> how we come alongside people, how we enter other people's story, and how we share our story, and how we invite others into this story, really matters. So it's something to be really considerate about. So, so 
What story am I carrying and how am I carrying it? And finally, uh, how are we encouraging each other in our apprenticeship? You know, here's the thing. It, it is and it was, and never was the role of the pastor to disciple every single person in their church context, right? It's never been the role of the pastor to, like, to just do all of that. Yes, the pastor has some like, very uh, important roles and functions and does do a lot of discipling, and now Vic has to do even more because I'm not around. Um, you know, but, but actually, it's, we're invited into something together as a community. And we look out for one another. We get to pastor each other. We get to encourage one another. We get to be shepherds within our own flock. We are both sheep and shepherd. Um, And so we want to find ways and we want to explore ways and we want to be able to answer this question. How are we encouraging each other and building one another up in our apprenticeship with Christ? Well, here's just a a few little like really practical ideas And these won't necessarily be like new or mind-blowing, but they are good things for us to be thinking about. But uh, one of the things that we we should always be looking to is to be be spending time in each other's homes. Um, And that's like, you know, all the introverts kind of like tense up a little bit, but I already see everyone on a Sunday. (laughs) I know, I know, and it's really hard. And sometimes I'm really tired as well, but... But trying to find spaces and opportunities where it's just like, hey, do you just want to come around for a meal? Or, or, you know, why don't we just meet at like, you know, why don't we meet somewhere for lunch afterwards? It's like just getting to know people, being connected, and just getting the chance to hear other people's stories. You know, an invitation isn't scary. And, you know, the worst thing that happens is you just don't need to invite those people around again. <laughs> you know? You can let someone else do it. But, you know, but it is good to just take those little steps of faith where we're just having people in our homes. This is what the, this is all the church was for like the first couple centuries was just people being in each other's homes. So finding something like that to do, um, maybe on a more sort of, sort of challenging and growing area, but find some people that you really love and, and do life with them a little bit. Um, so uh, maybe about a year and a half ago, uh, I was just like, This is just me personally, but I was just a little bit over the idea of like community groups and like Bible studies. And uh, it just felt like for me, you know, as someone who was like a pastor and a theologian, I just felt like I would end up in those situations and then I would just teach. And it's like, man, if you want to hear me teach, show up on Sunday. You know, like I just, I just, I felt like it was, it became work for me. And I was like, no, I need to find a space where it it can be really life-giving. And so Georgia and I approached two couples that we look up to and we really love and we said, hey, Every like two weeks or so, could we, just, could we just gather in each other's homes and could we just take communion together? And that was it. That was the brief. Like we, we literally rocked up with a loaf of bread and a bottle of wine. And, and every two weeks for a year, we would just break bread together. We would have a glass of wine and we would just talk. And the conversation went to some deep, some raw, some beautiful, some theological places. It went all over the show, but it was deeply life-giving for me. And it felt like it began to open up uh, even more what, what my sort of understanding and, uh, of a culture of apprenticeship really was. And so for you, like, are there people in your life, maybe it looks like getting a, you know, finding out someone in the community who works near you and going, hey, could, should we just meet for a coffee at 8 o'clock on Wednesday morning? Just rock up to work a little bit earlier. Let's just catch up. Let's just talk deeply about life. Let's hear what's going on. Maybe it's about finding some people to have in your homes. Maybe I'm definitely not slamming community groups. Maybe it's taking, like, signing up and being part of a community group and connecting with people, but just making sure that it's not just a Bible study, Bible study, and 
You know, that's a wonderful thing to do, good thing to do, but also to be in that space where you can ask each other the question, how are you doing? How's your soul? Where are things at? What's going on? What's hurting? What's going really well? What are you celebrating? For the last year and a half in our evening service, we've done joys and concerns, which is just a way of connecting with the things going on in each other's lives, providing a space where we get to pray for these things. As a community, if we're going to have a culture of apprenticeship, we need to be able to be aware of what is going on in the lives of people around us. So what sort of things would, would create that in you? Um, maybe more practically, if you wanted to grow in the way you understood uh, who God is and how God is functioning in community and, and sort of discover a bit more of your place within the, the sort of system and structure of church. Um, we're really fortunate that we're, Vineyard College does a whole bunch of different tracks of learning. So if you wanted to, uh, if you wanted to do a leadership track uh, or if you were interested in, uh, interested in some point at church planting and sort of taking this culture of apprenticeship somewhere else, um, if you were interested in being an intern at some point and just doing a year kind of learning and growing within our church system, there's some practical things you can do to kind of wrap your sort of mind and your heart around what it means to be someone who carries this story with you. And finally, what I would say about this as, as just an interesting thought is that, is that if we want to invest in a culture of apprenticeship and being connected in the lives of, of each other, one of the things we can do is to just be the kinds of people who share good words, you know? So be someone who carries words of blessing words of knowledge, words of invitation, and words of wisdom. Don't be afraid to bust out your phone. It's like if you're praying in the morning and, and, and just someone from the community just pops into your mind, send them a little text and a little encouragement. Every now and then, not much, I'll say, not much, but over the last 10 years, some Monday mornings I've come into the office and received an email from someone, and they're just like, hey, yeah, good message, Calvin. That was it. But, but aside from that, just want to like really thank you for like your faithfulness and like really just know that you you know you kind of serve our church in particular and it's just like so it's not affirming what I'm doing not affirming the kind of sermon skills I have but just someone like recognizing that I'm me and that I'm growing and you know like those things are really edifying and really nourishing and those words from someone else those kinds of things where people act like Jesus towards me reveal more of Jesus in my life. And so would we be the kinds of people who are really quick to fire off a text message or, God forbid, make a phone call? You know? Hey, I was just thinking about you this morning, just wanted to say this. It's a culture of apprenticeship. I think something really special happens in that place. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. And if you're in the Forest Hill or the Bays area of Auckland's North Shore, we would so love to have you at our next service this Sunday. You can get details on service times and more info on our kids and student environments by visiting svc.org.nz. That's svc.org.nz. Hope you have a great day and we'll see you next time here on the podcast.